Right, so that disco music at the start of that episode should give you an idea that this episode of Disaster Dark is not a normal episode. It is going to be based around Star Wars. Now that it is and has been for a while now part of the, the Disney company, it means that I can take something from childhood and uh, and talk about it on here because it's relevant. And there is nobody else I would rather talk to about Star Wars than the guest I've got on tonight. Um, you might know him from the Earth Dark Network podcast show, the Half and Half Scars podcast. And if you don't, you should bloody well listen to it. It's amazing. Um, I'm joined by my good friend, Colin. Hello, mate. You all right? Oh, it's beautiful to hear your voice. Oh, and yours, sir. And yours. Even though we have actually been talking about 20 minutes before we started recording. But that's... Yeah. I like to lift the curtain back a few times, you know, just, just let everyone know. Um, but I thought we'd start off, before we start talking about Star Wars, about, about us, really. Um, yeah. Because you've been in my life, on and off, but you've been in my life since... I can remember. I mean, how old? How old? I can't remember the, how old I was when we first met, but you were, you can probably remember a bit more than I can. Not really age or anything like that. I just remember um, you were like your you and your family were kind of always always around when I was younger. So yeah, I can't remember like a definitive time because your your parents were, were mates of my parents um so we saw you and your brother when you were both like very young and then kind of as you were growing up um up to a certain age anyway so i can't really remember that but yeah we we used to see each other a lot when when we were younger i'm a little bit older than you but um, you're you're around the same age as my sister aren't you yeah so uh, i think we just under a year apart from each other i think yeah i think we're about 10 months or something nine months something sheepy like that yeah, so our families used to spend they used they did used to spend a lot of time together didn't they oh yeah so i mean i, I think the, the earliest i can remember i was probably i said i couldn't put an age on it, it was probably about four five that's when i started to start remembering stuff um but we used to live we used to live in essex well i still live in essex um you've always lived pretty much i mean i don't funny enough your dad the other day showed me the first the first place you lived in and in like, oh, this place and i was like no yeah you're molding yeah and yeah. Um, and uh, so i only remember uh, your mum and dad's house where they still are like now so yeah it must be in four or five but yeah we would see we'd see you at least once a year if not a bit more than that just depending on uh you know if there was parties on or holidays and in my early teenage years i'd quite often come and stay with your folks for a few days during the half terms as well yeah yeah you did yeah 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 you, you, yeah so you're around quite a bit and i mean i i, I guess in because of our age difference i was in your teenage years i was probably just flying off to uh kind of experiment as a what eighteen year old, nineteen year old, getting myself in bother, probably. <laughs> I remember. I remember. I've told this story. I think I told this story on ego. But um, your your house was the first house I ever got drunk in at your twenty first birthday, when uh, we were. You introduced me to uh, vodka Red Bulls. 
yeah, that was a terrible day. Um, in the end, one of my mates got absolutely smashed, fell for a fence. Um, I had a row with my mum, I think, and walked out for about two hours and then went back when I it started raining. Yeah, it was a long day. Let's say that it was a long day. I left it, I think we left about nine o'clock that night, and um. I think you, you may have just fallen into the fence at that point or through it. So I think that was time to go. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I have hazy, but uh, glorious memories of that myself. But yeah, a bit different of the boots on the other foot. Um, but I mean, I used to, I, I was the same age as sister. So when I used to come down, it was more hanging out of your sister, really, and her friends. Um, but you used to kind of take me under your wing. You introduced me to uh, bands I never heard of. So I was thinking about this earlier, like who who you introduced me to. Um, I think the one that I remember the most was probably the Sultans of Ping FC. Of- hey, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, jumper. You, yeah, you had an interest in music and you like films and stuff like that. And that was all the stuff I was into. Um, so, used to, yeah, we used to chat about music and, and bands and that. And I was really into like indie bands and, kind of underground stuff um so i probably used to i probably just used to try and like false feed you all this kind of indie rubbish hey it worked it worked because i was an indie kid um i'll still never forget my disappointment when uh i thought that the sons of ping were actually pearl jam and i went and bought i think it was vertigo or something can't remember what the album was called it wasn't all oh, right yeah it was the and, second album yeah and, uh, versus Oh no no no! It was after that. It was uh, it was a black cover. Um, oh, okay. I remember it was called. I remember Full some circle. songs in it. Yeah, I can't remember. It's been the black circles on it. I remember that. But um, I remember getting that and thinking, "Oh yeah, this is great." I listened to it around Collins and going, "What's this? Where's yeah. where's my jumper?" <laughs> Two completely different bands. They're still going. The Souls of Ping. Don't know if you know yes. that, but they're still yes. touring. They are. Yeah, I've almost gone to see them a few times, and dates haven't worked out, but. Uh, Probably one, be rubbish, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's probably not the same now. But the one thing, you know, going on to like the film thing, you were the first person I knew that had a DVD player. I'll never forget the time yeah. you showed me uh, that scene in American History X. Uh, what, a, um, what a curb scene. Yeah, with the, yeah you, you plugged your speakers into your telly and uh, got that in glorious stereo. And uh, yeah, you don't forget that. that. <laughs> why was I? Why was I showing you that? What a horrible thing to show someone! <laughs> I think you was like, you got to see this. You know, when you're like, you know, when you're like that kind of age, you you want to see stuff which is like a little bit um, controversial, didn't you? That's what yeah. it is, really. Um, no, no, I, did. I, had a, I had a DVD player really early on. It was really expensive. I think it was about three hundred and fifty quid, um, and I sent it off to to get chipped. So it'll play like all regions, which cost a few quid and all. Um, and DVDs then were like, I remember when I bought it, I bought my first DVD with it, obviously, which I think was a Matrix. And it was like 25 quid for a DVD. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were expensive back then. I mean, I was impressed because you had, you'd had Austin Powers too, The Spy Who Shagged Me, just after I'd seen it at the cinema. And I was like, have you got this already? And he was like, oh, import. Yeah, because where I worked, I worked at the time, I worked for um, um, a music mail order company, so pre-internet. So if people wanted to buy stuff, they send you checks or post orders, all that kind of stuff. And we had like a, an export and an import business with the US. So I used to be able to order like the DVDs as they came out in America. 
Jeez. And yeah, at that time, there was quite a difference. I remember I didn't get Austin Powers for about four or five months after you'd got it. So I was uh, I was well it behind the big, curve. Yeah, but the thing, you showed, like, so, you, you know, you, you introduced me to films uh, that I didn't know. Uh, you introduced me to music I didn't know. But the one thing that was really consistent um, in your place was Star Wars. You know, you always had Star Wars stuff. And I remember the summer of 99, I'd come around, I think, to spend some time at your folks. And um, you'd just gone out and you'd bought loads of uh, Phantom Menace stuff. Oh, Phantom Menace. Oh, so yeah, you're right. You're right. Would that come out in 99, wasn't it? Was yeah. it 99? Phantom Menace. Yeah. yeah, so I was I was in a, my sort of full-time job, my first full-time job. I was earning really good money, actually. And I was living at home, so I had loads of expendable cash. Massive Star Wars fan. Like, to me, like, Star Wars is, like, in my DNA. Like, it's part of me. Like, I grew up with Star Wars. Like, to, to this day, I'm 41. To this day, when it's my birthday or Christmas, I'll get something Star Wars related. Like, people identify me with Star Wars yeah. as much as they identify me with, like, my football club. It's the same thing. Um, so, obviously, being a massive Star Wars fan, and then George Lucas comes out and he says, I'm going to make the prequels. And, you know, and he's using all the right terms, all the right words. He's saying, I couldn't make these before because I didn't have the technology to do it. Now I've got the technology. You're excited. You're buzzing. You're like, Christ, we're getting the prequels. And they announce the Phantom Menace. The trailers come out. And then the toys come out and say, I had a few quid in my pocket. And I went nuts. Yeah, you you went and bought a, a lot of it uh, before the film would even come out. I think I don't know. Did you go to like a midnight opening or something, or did you just go like into? No, town? I didn't go. Yeah, I didn't go to a midnight opening or anything like that. Um, I just, in terms of actually seeing the film, I just went to the cinema. I think it was the day of release. It might have even been the second day. I can't remember. Um, and in terms of the toys. Like they were out before the film. Yeah. So I kind of just hoovered those up. I'd ordered um, stuff from America that you couldn't get at the time because I had some connections with the place I was working, like Darth Maul, double lightsaber, boom, ordered. <laughs> um, and you're right. You mentioned before on a couple of podcasts, I had those figures that had the chip in the base and you put them on the on that reader, that midi chlorine reader. yeah. And they talked and stuff. I, I just bought everything because I was just—I I was so excited about it. All. And then, then I saw the film, and <laughs> like I kind of walked out and thought, you know, I was saying, "Yeah, that's all right." Deep down, I knew it wasn't all right, but um, you know, yeah, I was just overly excited about the whole thing. Well, I think I think we're the same way because we were i mean well actually let's let's go back to the beginning now we've gone to phantom Menace, but let's go back to the beginning so can you remember like where star wars started for you yeah yeah absolutely um i went to the cinema to see return of the jedi with my dad so i was about five something like that mm-hmm. um blew my mind i wouldn't have seen new hope or empire probably for a, a couple of years, maybe two or three years, because they would have only been on telly at Christmas or something, not very often. We didn't have a video player. The videos weren't available. You couldn't buy them. No. So that was the first sort of experience. I'm, I'm guessing I'll, there would have been a buzz 
um, there must have been cards or something when I was, you know, around that time of Jedi coming out. So there, there would be definitely be a reason that I, my dad took me to see it. But it was that. Um, and then it all went from there, really. I like then it was it for for as long as I can remember. Like I had all the toys. My mum and dad they didn't have a lot of money, so God knows how they afforded it. But I had all the figures, had everything when it came out. I used to sit there and like recreate bits of the film. And when we finally got a video player, oh boy, it took off then. <laughs> I've told I've told my story before, I'm sure, but mine didn't start until the video came out. So I was born in 83. So I came out, I, I, I was born, I came out, I was born the year that Return of the Jedi came out. Um, so I never got to see any of the original films at the cinema, but I remember my dad turned around to me and said, um, we're going to London today because uh, I'm going to buy you a film, a film that I really love. And I, I think you're going to love as well. And we went to the old HMV on Oxford street. Oh, yeah. um, and I remember walking down to the basement where the videos were and had this big stack of Star Wars videos, just the a new hope. That's all they had at the time. And um, I looked Was at it the, in like a big, big, massive plastic black case? Like, you no, know, videos was, in big cases? No, it was in, it was in a silver case. So oh. it was, um, it was the first time, I think it had been on video before, but it was the first time you could actually go and buy it because I, you know, I've tried to explain this to people before that, you know, now you, if you want to watch a film, you've got all these options of, of doing it. You, you can either go and buy it on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. You can stream it on like Netflix or Amazon or other places if you can find them. You've got all these ways of watching a film if you fancy watching it. But like back in the 80s, like if you wanted to go and watch a film, you had two options or you had three options, I suppose. You had the cinema, the video shop or... Uh, te- you had to wait for it to come on telly. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that was it. And you had, you know, you could be waiting years to go and see a film on telly. Um, so, uh, you know, videos, were you could buy them from video shops, but they were very expensive. I remember... Uh, oh, yeah, really expensive. We um, we borrowed once, I think it was The Boy You Could Fly or Flight the Navigator, one of the two. And um, my dad brought it home with him from work and he's like, oh, my mate's just bought this video. And uh, he said, we've got to be really careful with it because it cost him over 100 quid. Because that's how much it costs to buy a video from a video shop. Yeah, that's they insane. paid all these premiums. Um, and I'm not, I can't remember how much Star Wars costs. I think it might be about 15 quid on, on video. But yeah. Do you remember, like, I don't know about your video shop, right? But, mm. but when, I was, when I was a kid, my video shop, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a blockbuster or anything like that. It was like an independent yeah. sort of shop. Yeah. I didn't, all I needed... Right, if I wanted to get a video out, like an 18, and I'm talking I would have been sort of eight or nine years old, all I needed was a letter from my mum. And I used to go down there with, with, to the video shop, give him the letter from my mum that said, I give my son permission to get whatever he wants. Yeah, I love Robocop, please, mate. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah whatever, aliens. There you go, mate, there's a letter from my mum. Yeah. It's just absolutely crazy. Like the the stuff that you know you used to be able to go down the offie with a letter from your mum saying I like, give him permission to come home with like yeah. a bottle of white lightning and a box of fags, no problem at all. Excuse me, mate. My mum wants some twenty Benson. Yeah, have you got the letter? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> like like the letter you used to get from school, wasn't it, to get you out of PE? Yeah. So I remember like we we come home that night and um, yeah, it was just it was 
I really didn't think I was going to like it. And I watched it and I immediately, it was like the best thing I'd ever seen in my life. I'd never seen anything like it up until that point. And every Sunday for over a year, every Sunday morning, that's what I'd watch without foul. Uh, just got yeah. completely obsessed. And then, he, and then he said to me, oh, there's two more. And I was like, what? Are you sure? Two but more? But this is the thing, because, I mean, you know, again, we're talking, there's no internet or anything like that. So I had no idea. And um, and I had to wait for them to come out. That was the thing, like, they've released A New Hope. The other two weren't coming out for a while. So, um, like you, I got a load of the toys at, at that point. So we're talking now. That I, I'm not sure when the video came out. It must have been somewhere between 85 and 87 that that video came out. And yeah. um, at that time, obviously, as you said, like, Return of the Jedi was, was 1983. And um, my dad used to like buy a load of uh, toy cars and stuff like that. And we'd go to like little fairs and boot sales and stuff. And so I've got nearly all my Star Wars figures that way. I've got a few like new from shops and stuff like that. But to be honest, by that time in the eighties, all the shops were selling them off like dirt cheap because everyone yeah. was sending to like He-Man and Thundercats and all that nonsense. So, um, which I, I also loved. I can't call it nonsense really. But um, so I, I ended up with loads of the toys uh, like you um, about the toys though you know one of the, the best things about the toys other than the actual figures themselves were of course the, the spaceships um, did you have anything particular that was like one of your favourites yeah I had loads of stuff um, yeah the ships like I, well, I had the, the original Millennium Falcon um, which didn't have any lights or anything but it had a kind of it had a buzzer on the back, like a weird metal button with a buzzer that sounded nothing like the Millennium Falcon, but it made a buzz. I think I've still got that in my parents' loft. Um, I had like X-Wings, TIE Fighters. Um, I actually got what I think was meant to be a Imperial Star Destroyer that my parents sent away from to America, but it's more like the bridge of the ship oh. Oh, because it's a big it's a massive ship i don't i probably have still got it somewhere but no one else i i knew had it um yeah i had all the stuff i mean look, look the only reason i can remember my sister's my, the only reason i can remember my sister being born was because my parents gave me the wampa figure from empire <laughs> on that day that's my that is my everlasting memory of, of my sister being born i got the wampa figure like Star Wars, Star Wars, like is 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 at major points in my life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Up until a certain age, obviously, but um, even now, my fortieth birthday, <laughs> I got the R two D two Sphero thing you control with your phone. Yep. Forty years old. That's what they bought me. <laughs> I'd have been quite happy with a, a BB eight. Uh, I, I didn't yeah. get zero. I bought um, I bought my kids. Uh, Hasbro made their own version of the Sphero. It was an R two D two, but it was it was big, like compared to the Sphero ones. Like it was like it was like obviously nowhere near R two D two size, but it was probably about three or four times the size of the Sphero one. And it's good, but it's not quite as as cool as that Sphero one. To be fair. It is cool, but unfortunately, you know, um, it's, I'm, 
I was, I'm kind of a grown up man. I've got dogs and that. The dogs ain't all that keen on R2 running around the house. No, they don't tend to like that, do they? Mine, mine's the same, actually. Mine's the same. Um, but yeah, so. What about you with your figures? Like, yeah. what was your, what was your favourite stuff? Like, in terms of the figures, what was, what was your kind of, you know, your, your go to Star Wars figure stuff? I, I didn't get a Millennium Falcon till World Cup 1990, and I finally oh, found one. Fair. That's how, that's how I remember it because I was in the I was on the Isle of Wight when Italian 90 was on, and um, it was the day of the final, so we weren't watching it because England obviously got, got knocked out, and we'd gone to a car boat and I, I'd found uh, Millennium Falcon, so that's what I'd bought then. Um, was it the um, second gen one? <laughs> The, the the kind of newer one. It didn't have, it didn't have the buzzer, um, but it was still it was still like the original version. It, this was this was obviously nineteen ninety, so it wasn't the the re. I think they re released it with every film in a slightly different way, but then they re released all the stuff again, didn't they? In like the the mid nineties with that was it Power of the Force? It was called. Yeah, Power of the Force. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't. A, it was. It, I think it was uh, Return of the Jedi version. Um, I remember it having like a landing gear that used to pop out that you could kind of use almost as a handle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they kind of they kind of all had that. I've actually got. I'm looking at it right now. I've got the Lego Millennium Falcon. All right. Uh, again, again, my parents bought me, and I think I was about 38 when they bought it for me. That's built and sitting in the room that I'm recording in now, just next to the uh, Lego Atat. <laughs> well, it's funny you say Atat because that was that my favourite. I think I actually preferred the was it the ATST, which was like the chicken leg version. The, well, the, the, Jed, the Jedi one. Yeah, I think I preferred that only because. I remember if you press the button on the back of it, you could make it walk. It walked. Yeah. It walked. And then you could like, you could like reconstruct the scene when the top flies mm. off and, che- and Chewie goes. Rrr. That's it. Pop it open. Yep. Um, I had the, um, uh, what was the, the ship? Uh, it was, I, I just remember it because it wasn't really a, a playset. It was you, it stored all your figures. Um, um, oh, I don't know. The only the only figure storage thing I had was a Darth Vader. Okay, Darth. okay. This was a ship. I can't remember what it was. It was one of the um, oh, rebel could the, figures, could the figures like hang upside down and stuff? And or am I thinking of something else? I think you might be thinking of something else. This just had had loads of grooves in it. It looked like a tool. When you opened it, it looked like a toolbox. Inside, you just had like loads of little, like, uh, little square holes that you could like plonk your figures in and whatever. But it was one of the, um, I think it was one of the ships that people escaped on, maybe from Empire Strikes Back. Um, Snow Speeder, that was another one I liked actually. Yeah, Snow Speeder and the um, the speeders from the forest. Um, oh my god, speeder bikes blew up, didn't they? Yep, I loved it for that as well. I loved it for that. The sort of the Jedi toys, actually, looking back at them, they seem to have a lot more kind of features to them. Uh, I remember the, I had, I think it was Darth Vader's TIE Fighter where the wings popped off. 
Yeah, I never had that. Well, I had that. Um, and I obviously, I had a next wing, and that was quite cool as well. But yeah, there was just something about the snow speeder. It was supposed to light up, but mine never lit up. I tried it, but it didn't work. But, I had um, I had Luke's speeder from New Hope. Oh, okay. I def- I definitely had that. And I had Jabba the Hutt as well on mm. his throne and that. Yeah, and you uh, could, you, you're supposed to put figures underneath it as if it was his pit, but there yeah. was not, no depth to it. So that you could lay a figure down in it and that was it. <laughs> yeah, that's about all you could do. Yeah. 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 I, did, I did have a Rancor. Um, I don't know if I've still got it. So most of this stuff is probably still in my parents' loft. Um, I guess I've got a bit of it in my house. I don't know why I've just migrated a bit of it over, but um, they're all, they're all bad. The figures, they're all chewed. They've all been played with, but I wouldn't, not that they're worth anything because they're not, but I wouldn't ever get rid of them anyway. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're kind of, they got, they've got to come with me now for the rest of my journey. If that makes yeah. sense. No, absolutely. Uh, I mean, mine, all of my Star Wars stuff from that time is all on my, in my parents' loft. The difference is, as, as listeners know, is that I don't talk to my parents. So my, I'm not yeah. going to see mine for a very long time, but uh, you've got that luxury. But I think the Rancor was probably the, one of the only ones I remember not having. Um, I think the last ones I got before I stopped really buying Star Wars stuff at the time was the, uh, is it the Max Rebo band? Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. The one with the elephant, the, the, the jazz band from Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. I, ne- I never bought one. No. Nah. I think that was the last ones I bought. It was, it was at that time that I started drifting off into other kind of toys. I started getting into superheroes and stuff like that. So that was that was kind of the end of Star Wars for me. But... During like the the nineties, as I kind of mentioned a bit earlier, there was that resurgence a little bit. Power of the Force, where they kind of relaunched Star Wars, um, and then not long after that is when they re-released the films, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, when they that Power of the Force was that when they released like the Palpatine glow in the dark figure and bits like that. Was yeah. that was that the same series or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they had. Um, oh, I- I bought, I bought loads of that stuff, yeah. Yeah, because I remember there being, I used to go to a lot of toy conventions and every toy convention, people would be selling uh, the Ghost of Obi-Wan. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Which uh, was supposed to be, it was some kind of like American exclusive, but it like it there was loads of them. There was like thousands upon thousands of them. So they weren't actually rare at all. They were just a little bit harder to get than most other bits. Um, I didn't buy much of that line. The only one I did shamefully uh was it was the first time they released uh layer as uh slave layer all oh, right well you could buy originally couldn't you like the original jedi did they, did they do one yeah. then? i definitely i definitely had a layer like um around that you know the original time definitely i had i had a layer that was in that costume she wore right at the beginning when she had that mask on Oh yeah, the bounty hunter one. Yeah, yeah. I had that one, and I had like traditional white robe layer as well. But um, well, I think I did. I might be wrong, but um, might, no. I mean, there was there was so many, weren't there? That was the thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously. But uh, yeah, so I, did, I didn't buy too much at that time when that when that line came out. It, you know, I was about eleven, twelve, I think, and 
I thought I was too old for toys or too cool for toys. So I, I didn't really buy that much then. Uh, looking back, I wish I, I kind of had it done a little bit. But yeah, like you, I mean, I didn't go as mad as you did when Phantom Menace came out. But um, I, had, I was living at home. I had I had an expendable income. I had more money than I could spend, if you like. I wasn't obviously I'm, <laughs> I wasn't a millionaire, but you know what I mean. I was earning a good I was earning a good wage. I lived at home with my parents, and I just yeah I just say so I, I you know I just went nuts. But I was a little bit later than that because I didn't start work. I was I, I was still in well, I was in sixth form I think ninety nine. Um, but I started my first job in the December of that year. So that's when I started to get a bit of disposable income. Um, and then by that point, it was uh, Austin Powers and South Park that had kind uh, of taken South over. Yeah. I mean, I still remember having a buying a Cartman money box for like a tenner, thinking nothing of it. Now I'd be like, why am I spending 10 quid on a, on a money box? Yeah. I still <laughs> love South Park. It's brilliant. It's oh, one of the best no. programs ever made. South Park. I mean, I, I, I was having this... Uh, I was having this out with Craig recently because he hasn't seen anything from South Park since that film came out, which was 99. Oh, it's been what, some quality it, stuff. Absolutely. Oh, that's what I'm telling him. That's what I'm telling him. Some of the, some of the more recent episodes, I mean, some of them are a little bit fillery, but there's been some amazing stuff over the last decade. Yeah, I'd say the last, the last series was kind of the Trump one, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Kind of skate over. It's not bad. It's not bad at all, but it's not the best, but before that, South Park is one of the most important. <laughs> it's one of the most important and funny programs of like the last century. I think it's fantastic. Oh, it is. It is absolutely brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. Uh, I can't even. What's essential episodes? Kanye West is probably a good one. Uh, Imagination Land. Yeah, fish sticks. Uh, Imagination Land. Um, absolutely. There was a really good um, one they did with... Um, Scott one. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, they did a really good one when it was the uh, Trayvon Martin case. He yeah. was the guy that got yeah. shot. And, they did, and it was because of how, they, how quickly they can turn around an episode, it was, like, extremely topical. Like, I think it was that week's news, that court case was yeah. going on. Uh, the way they can do that is just, is just phenomenal. So, yeah, I've still got a lot of time and love for South Park. Yeah, I want it to. People should. Um, so yeah, so uh, episode one for me, I didn't go all out, but I tell you what, I did buy. I think this was the only stuff I, I did buy was I bought those really big uh, figures that they did that were all on bases and all they were all animated. There was, yeah, I think there was yeah, I four. I only had three. I didn't buy the Jar Jar Binks. But I had Darth Maul, an Obi Wan Kenobi, um, and Anakin, and uh, not Anakin, um, uh, Qui Gon Jinn. Was and, that the? Um, were they money boxes? Or you? They could be money boxes, but they had a button you could press as well. Yeah, I think I think you might be right. I think they might be money boxes as well. But I only used them like you could you could stick them all together and they'd basically fight each other. Yeah, yeah. I did. I, the only one I had was Darth Maul. Yeah. Press the button, started swinging around and doing his yeah. thing. The lights, the lightsaber came out the other end, and he started going nuts. Uh, Absolutely, because let's face it, let's face it. The coolest thing about Episode One was Darth Maul. Well, let's go back a little bit to before the film came out, and we all got disappointed. That trailer. Mm. I mean, 
it's probably still up. I mean, I haven't watched it for a while, but I guarantee if I watch that trailer now, it will still give me goosebumps. I remember watching that over and over and over again using a really crappy 56K modem taking yeah, out downloads. I remember you saying on um, on a podcast when you were talking about this, um, about the dial-up and waiting and stuff, I did the same experience, like just watching it on a crappy dial-up. Um, like you, you, I think you had probably a better a better connection than we did because, like, you, 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 your dad worked for BT and and stuff. Yeah, we had real rubbish, and yeah, I remember just sitting there, probably like twenty five minutes, half hour, waiting for it to buffer, but just like watching it again and again. It was just just incredible, and that that one shot when Darth Maul extends the lightsaber. Because that that just blew your mind. Like we were used yeah. to people having a lightsaber, and then what? He's got two. Well, it a double a lightsaber. <laughs> What's oh, going you, on? You saucy fella! I like okay. the look at this. That's what I thought. George Lucas can. Or, I mean, I don't know who cut the trailer, but whoever cut it did an amazing job because that film. I mean, I, I was I was convinced, and I think a lot of us were uh, anyway, that that was going to be the film that year that was going to be the best film by far and oh, absolutely you film of the back- decade not film well, of the year yeah I true. Thought, I thought, this 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 to me was like um when the stone roses made their second album you know the wait for that yeah it, it, it was not as like obviously the star wars thing was more powerful than the stone roses but just trying to compare it to something um so all those things that george lucas was george lucas was saying and the actual trailer themselves, I thought, Christ, I, I, like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I can get through this film without like my head blowing off of excitement. No, no, the anticipation was amazing. I remember getting tickets for the first showing that day. It's about eleven o'clock in the morning, I think it was, and um, going in there and just like you walking out of there. And going, oh yeah, that was good, but deep down knowing that it didn't hold a candle to any of the originals. And I couldn't I, when I walked out of there, I couldn't I couldn't work out what it was that I didn't like. And it's only in years kind of past re-watching it and, and obviously reading stuff and everything like that. And I think the big the big problem, and you kind of mentioned it earlier about what he'd said, is the fact that he hadn't made those original, the original trilogy, uh, the prequel trilogy, until that point, like 17 years after Jedi, because the technology wasn't ready. And that was the problem. You know, with those original films, they were sets. And then yeah. with this, it was all green screen. And now when you like kind of watch them, it's obvious that's what's different about them is they're not interacting with stuff because there's nothing there. No, you could tell it didn't feel like, like in hindsight, it didn't feel like a star Wars film. And to a certain degree, I feel the same way about the rest of the prequels. Then like attack of the clones and revenge of the Sith are better than fan of menace, but they didn't. It didn't feel like a Star Wars film. When I walked out of there, you're right. Like same, I said like, well, you yeah, know, that was really good. Really enjoyed that. I can't wait to watch it again. 
but you know you, you had this feeling inside you of like, ah, what the fuck are midi chlorines? What, what what are the midi chlorines about? Like, what's about what's all this about the trade delegations? Like, what does that matter? Like, it kind of it was like a film that skirted around the edge. Yeah, it didn't really give you anything. Well, do you know what? And also another thing which I didn't realise initially, but I realised before Attack of the Clones came out. One of the things that really bothered me when I rewatched it was the Queen's ship. Because yeah. if you remember the Queen's ship, it was like really shiny silver. Yeah, really sleek. Exactly. And it looked like, and bearing in mind, these were set before the films that we grew up with. And yet there was things like that in it that looked more impressive and more futuristic and more modern than what was in the films that were supposedly later. Yeah, yeah. Like we knew they they looked out of place. Yeah, yeah. That's that's it. And it was it was those little touches that really did it. And even though I was disappointed with Phantom Menace, I was still looking forward to Attack of the Clones. And again, yeah, I was, same I thing. Was, opening, yeah, day. yeah, yeah. I I agree. Attack of the Clones. I don't think it's very good. I think it's better than Phantom Menace, and I think it does more to contribute to the kind of whole universe. Yeah. There's, there's better performances. Um, but yeah, I was, I was disappointed too. I was. Yeah. I was less disappointed with Attack of the Clones when I came out of that, but it still didn't, it still didn't sit right. Um, and then by the time of Revenge of the Sith, and they, I remember they, they really upped the marketing for Revenge of the Sith. They were like making, I think that was, um, it wasn't obviously early days of the internet, but it was at a time when people were first starting to kind of get broadband and get better connections and more people were getting the internet. And um, they were doing like a lot of advertising and promoting the toys before the film was coming out on, online and stuff like that and trailers. And I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be the one, this is going to be the one. And I was really lucky for Revenge of the Sith because I'd managed to get, tickets to the european i say the european premiere but what what the deal was is they had the proper like traditional london premiere that was happening at the odeon um and then we was at the empire in leicester square just just over the square and what they did that day for the first time ever was they had a star wars marathon so we started at seven o'clock in the morning Oh with, yeah, I remember you saying about this. Yeah, yeah. with um, oh god, with um, a new hope, and went all the way through, and then once the premiere happened over in the Odeon, and the stars had done the red carpet and introduced the film, they all came over to the Empire, did the same thing there, and then we watched um, Revenge of the Sith at the same time that um, it was having its world premiere in the other city. So you. You were there all day. So you watched New Hope, Empire, Jedi, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and then Revenge, Revenge of the Sith. Sith. Yeah. And so it was... how, did you, how did you feel about Revenge of the Sith having sat through the entire canon? Well, that was it was, it was weird because firstly, because we didn't know what all of the films were going to be in. So as soon as the correct, like, you know, obviously every film starts off the same way, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then, uh, it said a new hope and there was a groan 
And the reason for that is because I think everyone was hoping to get the prequels out of the way first. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, and then start with the good stuff. But obviously they did it because they were doing it in, in release order. And obviously it, it kind of made sense because, you know, you was watching Phantom and Attack of the Clones and then you was going to see Revenge of the Sith. So it's continuing the story. So um, I, I came out there feeling really good seeing Revenge of the Sith after seeing seeing for seeing everything else through because I felt it tied things up better than the other two films had managed. Like yeah. I think Anakin's arc was pretty, pretty naff in the first two films. You know, this yeah. is where you see how Darth Vader was created and you know you understand what happens with the, the Jedi and everything like that. So um yeah, it was a very long day. Um and apparently Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, and Edgar Wright were all there, but I didn't see them the whole day. <laughs> um, they were quite inconspicuous. But, I mean, it was it was an amazing day and an amazing event. Um, I have very fond memories of it because it was the last time uh, I, I got to do anything with my father-in-law, who was my father-in-law at the time, uh, before dementia like, really took over. It was just at the start of him like getting ill, and that was the last day um the last time we, we got to do something before uh it, it his brain started like just going all over the place so um, that's really nice that's a, that's a really nice memory to have really yeah, nice. that's what i mean like you know star wars i mean to, for my dad as well you know obviously I'd, I'd already talked about that earlier and he was there so it was the three of us that were there that day and they equally loved star wars and so knowing that that was one of the last things that he really was able to enjoy um, before the dementia took over is is great. And I, um, my wife has still got, sorry, my wife has still got my a wife. picture. <laughs> my wife's still got a picture of, from that day with him um, being taken by the, the stormtroopers. They had like a little photo thing. Um, and it's, yeah, that's really, it's really nice. Yeah, so, I, you know, that's, that's a memory I'll always cherish. But, but yeah, so, so for me, uh, you know, still wasn't up to the standard of, of the originals, but I did enjoy Revenge of the Sith uh, a lot. What about yourself? Well, I went to see Revenge of the Sith with high hopes. Look, Revenge of the Sith is it's supposed to tie things together, isn't it? It's supposed to, you know, bring the story into line. It's the best of the prequels, in my opinion, but I hate the ending. I hate yeah. it. I hate where he stands up and he goes, no, like it's terrible. Like, I don't know how it made the, like, I don't know how it wasn't on the cutting room floor. I mean, you know, and this is a lot. I'm in a room obviously with the, the biggest, some of the biggest Star Wars nerds in, in the country. And in fact, globally, what people would come in because it was the first time it was being done. People had flown in for this thing. It was mental. I mean, when I had to buy the tickets, um, we had to queue overnight and me and a friend um, queued up from midnight, I think it was. We got to Leicester Square and the ticket office didn't open until 8 o'clock the next morning. And we, bearing in mind we was there then, we was about 30th in the queue. We were really lucky to get those tickets. Um, and yeah, people had flown in. People paid thousands of pounds to get those tickets to just go. And they were like, I think 50 quid a ticket. It wasn't expen- that expensive for what you got. Um, but even with all of those people, people laughed at that. 
Yeah, do you not think it was like, I understand they've got to tell the story, they've got to show. I think my real problem, I didn't really like Hayden Christensen as Anakin, if I'm honest. It wasn't terrible, but he weren't great. And obviously we 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 see how he becomes Vader and that's what we want to see, right? As Star Wars fans, we want to see how does Vader become Vader. But it was it was bad. It's bad. Like yeah. I, I, I like I don't like I don't watch the prequels now, but if I if I know for a fact if I put on Revenge of the Sith now, and you know I watched it, I'd still cringe. Still, yeah. I'm hoping what my aim is. I don't know if we're going to get this done or not, but obviously we've got Episode Nine, and we'll talk about those in just a second. Like this new new trilogy. And uh, I thought it'd be nice. My my daughter's at an age now where she kind of likes Harry Potter and stuff like that. So I thought maybe we could sit and watch the Star Wars films together. And I was trying to think what order, because for me, I'd like to follow something like the Machete Order. Machete Order all day long. There you go. So you know, um, my wife is like my wife. She's like, no, we've got to watch them in proper order. Uh, like, oh, no, it's going to be too boring. But that was the aim. But so let's skip forward. So. George Lucas originally, when he made Star Wars, said that this was going to be a nine-film saga. And it took him 17 yeah. years before he actually started work on the prequels, give or take. Um, and so, to be honest, the man wasn't getting any younger. I think all of us thought that the prequels were going to be it. We weren't going to get any more. And then, out of the blue, Disney buys Lucasfilm. Yeah. They're going to take over. Now... I, I was very positive. I, I felt very positive about this at the time because, um, you know, I'd seen what Disney had done with Marvel and, and the success they were having there. So I thought, you know, you know, George Lucas made those last three films and they weren't particularly good. Um, I think it would be good to to let someone else have a crack. Um, they didn't want George Lucas. George Lucas apparently been working on scripts. They threw all those out. They wanted to start fresh and start their own thing. Um, and so 2015, we got The Force Awakens. Now, I was so excited to see this that I actually booked tickets to go and see it in the same cinema I'd seen Revenge of the Sith, The Empire in Leicester Square, which was now um, now had a, a laser IMAX screen. So that's what I bought tickets for. Opening day. Is that free? Um, was that three D or it was, it? it was three D. Yeah, I'm mean, not like three D anyway. But I, I like I just I just had to see it at cinema on the biggest screen that I could. Um, yeah. And I, I've talked about this before. Um, as we were going in to watch it, um, some twat had come out of the screening before and shared out that Han Solo dies. Which you just like? Come on! I mean, was some people are just idiots, aren't they? Well, I we were talking that before we started queuing up, uh, we'd gone and get had some lunch, and I was my wife was asking me like what I was expecting from it, and you know, and all this, and I said, look, if I'm being completely honest, I think uh, we'll probably see Han Solo die, and the reason I said that is because Harrison Ford, it. I did. Well, the reason why is because Harrison Ford had always been very vocal about not wanting to do, not liking Star Wars, not wanting to be in them. He wanted to be killed off in Empire Strikes Back. Um, so yes. when, they, when they announced he was coming back, 
I thought they've, there's got to be a reason why he's coming back because he was so against them. So what have they done to bring him back? And that made, and that was the thing that made sense was that, that he was brought back just to kid him off. So yeah. I, I was right with that. Um, but I, w- I was buzzing. I felt the same level of excitement watching the trailer for that as I had uh, watching the episode one trailer. So yeah, I, was I agree. Excited. I agree. Uh, so, so what did you think of The Force Awakens? Look, so when, like, my kind of enthusiasm for Star Wars in terms of new Star Wars had obviously dampened massively over the prequels. Star Wars was still my thing. I still watch it. You know, I've, I've always watched it, like, once or twice a year, every film, like the entire trilogy for the originals. Every birthday, Christmas, as I said, I still get something <laughs> with Star Wars, so um, it's still... It's still part of me. Um, when the Force Awakens trailer come out, I was like, "Oh God, they're gonna they're messing about with Star Wars again." Let's have a look. My mind blew up. It looked amazing. And when I saw it, I saw it in three D. I don't really like three D, but I saw it in three D, and I loved it. Now, what I think is because I did. Like I, I cried at the end of it, and I cried for a couple of reasons. I think I cried because it was exactly where I'd seen Revenge of the Sith with uh, Lindsay's dad, and also the fact that to me they'd made a good Star Wars film again. It was the most I'd enjoyed a Star Wars film since the originals. It was a proper Star Wars film. Um, I went there with. Very little expectation, apart from the fact I knew um, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Leia. I knew Chewie. They were coming back. Mm. So I was excited. But I went there with very low expectations. And then I found myself, at that point when they revealed the Millennium Falcon, Yeah, I had tears in my eyes. The way it was shot, the way it looked, it looked like a Star Wars film. And it was a Star Wars film. I enjoyed it. I did. I, like, I'm not a fan of... I didn't like Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. but but I love I loved it because the gang were back together, wasn't it? It was like getting the band back together, essentially. Yeah, yeah no, you're you're right. And you know what was um, what was a big thing? Uh, I I think you know, especially as we were talking about the prequels, is the fact that they they filmed it properly. They'd filmed it using sets. You know, you'd seen all this behind the scenes stuff of of them on the Millennium Falcon. Um, you know, with them on the sets, and it showed. Like it, as you said, like they, what they did is they managed to bring the feeling of a Star Wars film back. That all that had been lacking in those prequels. Uh, it felt like a, it felt like a Star Wars film, didn't it? Like yeah. To watch, like I thought, I'm watching a Star Wars film here. Like everything looked right. Um, there was nothing. There was nothing too bad about it. Like, say, Kylo Ren, I wasn't sure of, but he had, like, a sick lightsaber. So I was yeah. quite happy about that. And, you know, everyone was back. I, I just, I really enjoyed it. I had, a, I had a great time watching that. I think the problem, and this is a, this is a weird thing with the, the prequels and, and this, this latest trilogy, like, the prequels are full of actors that were good actors, and yet every performance was wooden. Like I think the only person that kind of out came, kind of came out of any kind of credibility 
was um, Ewan McGregor, who hated his time doing those films. Yeah, he did, yeah. But he was the only one that really seemed to kind of get a decent performance. Natalie Portman is a great actress, or can be. Yeah. She was absolutely awful in those films. But and, that, goes, that goes back to what you said about their acting in front of green screens. They're yeah. interacting with something that ain't there. Yeah, I, and, I think, and I think that's it. Because, you know, with these new films, we've got a load of people like... I'm with you on Kylo Ren. Like, at first, I was like, he's, he's an odd-looking bloke. Like, I don't think he's very intimidating, like, with the mask off. Adam Driver is actually a fantastic actor. Um, yeah, no, he wasn't what I was expecting. Um, but you know, all of the all of the cast and new films, you know, people that most of them are, are people that we weren't really familiar with. Everyone does a good job throughout. You you met a couple of them, didn't you? I sort you went to um, an opening night um, thing, didn't you? Yeah. So I went to uh, a midnight opening at the Disney store when they were doing... So for, for every Star Wars film from The Phantom Menace onwards, stores had done midnight openings when the new merchandise was coming out. And Disney Store had mentioned that they were going to do one in Oxford Street, and I thought, wow, I'll go down to that. Might be a laugh. Um, they, they hadn't announced anyone was going to be there. Um, and Daisy Ridley and uh, John Boyega, who were Ray and Finn in that film, uh, both turned up. And they were happy to mingle. They were happy to pose the photos, sign things. So, and it was a little bit, uh, it was, <laughs> that was the nearest I'd got to how you were with the Phantom Menace. I had a basket full of every, mm. like, all different Star Wars merchandise. I didn't buy all of it in the end. I was like, you know what? I can't come home with all of this. So I came home with uh, a figure of Finn and a figure of Ray that was signed and, uh, some other some other toys that they had, but I didn't go as crazy as I'd like to have done, just because I couldn't. But I mean, that was incredible. That's great. I I thought I like Ray and I like Finn. Like, yeah. Uh, any problems I've got with Star Wars going forward is not really. It's, it's nothing to do with with them or any of the other cast. But I I thought they were great in the film. So that's that's like that's a nice thing to have. Oh yeah, and I and I got them signed from the kids as well. So, um, not that I'd appreciate them yet, but that that was my my kind of thing to do. So it was like a nice little like memory for them, um, which is silly really because I should have just bought it for me because I'm the one that loves Star Wars. They might hate it, um, but I tell you what, before we go on to like the, the next film, um, what I will say about um, this film is the fact that when I've rewatched it. I have felt a little bit that it is quite a lot of Star Wars greatest hits. Well, it's New Hope, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty much. It's New yeah. Hope, which is yeah. why someone, someone like myself, my age, absolutely loved it. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. yeah. And I think they knew what they were doing. That's why they made it. They gave us, they gave us New Hope, you know, XL, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't hate it. Don't get me wrong, but I do. When I've like rewatched it a few times now, I do think, oh yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little bit too similar. But at the same time, I think because of how different the prequels were, I think it was good that they played it so safe because it did bring you kind of back in. Yeah, I've become very cynical, so I kind of feel like now I feel like it's um, the sweetener. Before the poison in your tea. 
which leads us nicely to the last film that's been released so far. We've obviously got the, the last film coming out later this year, um, but is definitely the most decisive uh, film that's been released so far in The Last Jedi. Now, I'll tell you briefly about my experience of The Last Jedi before I get to hear yours. Mine, again, uh, my wife and myself went to see it opening day. We didn't go to London this time. We only went to our local IMAX. Um, but we watched it there. And we came out and she was quite buzzing. Now, what's what's interesting, I've only found out this recently. She's only admitted this to me recently. She's never seen properly any of the original Star Wars films. What? Yeah. <laughs> they would always be on in her house because of her dad, but she's never sat down and watched them properly. So her view wow. skewed anyway. I know this is... this is. Uh, Come this, on, Lindsay. <laughs> What's the originals? Oh, this could this could be a podcast waiting to happen because, uh, as I said, the aim is to try and watch these before Rise of Skywalker. So she came out of it really quite buzzing and really enjoying it. And we sat down and had something to eat afterwards. And she was like, you're right. And I was like, I don't think I liked it. And she went, you, what? What do you mean didn't like it? I was like, I just, I just don't think I liked that film. I don't think I liked it. And... It was it was weird because I didn't feel the same way as when I'd come out of episode one. I I'd, I'd never felt like it watching a Star Wars film before. It just really kind of, and I don't know, I don't know if it was because of my expectation of it or where I thought the story was going to go, but it just wasn't the film that I was expecting to see. So what was it like when you watched it for the first time? Well, what didn't you like about it, Mike? What were the things that you thought um, that's a bit off or? Well, it, it's a bit different now because I've rewatched it a few times and I don't feel the same way as when I first watched it. My opinion has definitely changed on it. But um, some of the things that I still don't like, um, I don't like uh, layer poppings or super layer, whatever you want to refer yeah, to. Well, as. Of uh, I think that was stupid. Um, I thought the whole bit on the gambling planet just kind of like led to think yeah it made nothing no and i wasn't i wasn't that taken with the initial bits with luke and ray together um i just thought it was odd i thought it was he wasn't the luke skywalker that uh i remembered um yeah i, I didn't mind the ending I, I didn't have a problem with the ending um, it was more like the, the first bit and the and the middle bit of the film that, that bothered me. The last bit didn't really bother me too much, but um, yeah. Well, I watched this film and it bothered me <laughs> massively. Like for me, um, this is the end of my of my journey with Star Wars. Like, and it's kind of selfish, right? Because you know, I'm a 41-year-old man, and obviously Disney have bought the franchise. It's going to be a thing. Fine. And they've got to move forward with it. I understand that. But this film, to me, was them pushing the reset button on Star Wars. This is me. They're saying they killed them off. They killed the characters off, and they said, now we're going forward. So it's quite selfish that I'm kind of not 
happy with the film mm. because of you know I lose a part of something that I love. Um, but I also thought it was a poor film. Like I think you're right. I think Luke Skywalker, like, come on, he was terrible in it. Yeah, it was it was definitely odd. So when I've rewatched it, I've I've not felt quite as bad. Um, and my opinion of it he has changed. He was whingy. He was like, that's Luke Skywalker. Like we grew up, right? Luke Skywalker is, is when we grew up. Luke Skywalker was like the savior, wasn't he? He was, you know, he was the kind of man like you know, <laughs> and he turned into like a whiny sort of. Um, I know at the end he'd done his thing and and all that, but um, I thought he was terrible in it. Obviously, the layer thing, yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, the gambling planet, don't know what that's about. I just, I just thought like it, the whole film was basically uh, right. There you go. We've we've reset the franchise, right? So those people are gone now. So look forward to the rest. So my take on Luke. And again, I said like I've watched it a f- about three or four times now. And if you actually go back and watch those original films, Luke is whiny. Like, he's, yeah, he's, he's a whiny kid anyway. Um, but, I mean, not as whiny as he was in, in the Last Jedi. Don't get me wrong. But he actually, the more you when you kind of watch it as an adult, you do realise he's actually a, a little bit annoying. But I think the reason why, or certainly my interpretation of why he was like he was is because it's been 30 years. Um, you know, he had the, the incident with, uh, with Ben, um, uh, you know, which kind of led him to, to going off. Like, you know, he almost killed him. Um, you know, this is a man that is just in a massive funk and he doesn't feel that he is, you know, he was a hero. He knows he was a hero. And I think that incident with, uh, ben Solo, when he was supposed to be mentoring him, and you know failed. Um, I think that was the point when he went. You know what? I'm not this guy that people say I'm not this hero. And I think it, I, I don't think it was particularly well done because I said like that's watching it. No, back multiple they times. Him, they gave him all them bad jokes. Like there was yes. in the first sort of like half hour or so. Like he just like comes out of all these bad jokes, and you're like, "Well, Luke Skywalker wouldn't do that." Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, the Gambling Planet uh, on, on rewatching, I, it's never felt as bad as it did the first time. And and the thing is, right? I went, I went and saw the Last Jedi. I recorded a podcast straight away with my mate. Um, he loved it. I didn't. Uh, I said, I need to go and watch this film again anyway, because I can't believe I felt this way about a Star Wars film. And when I rewatched it a few days after, I didn't feel the same way. And I hadn't gone in thinking I need to like this film. I'd gone in with the same, you know, I'd, I'd seen it. So the ex, you know, I'd already had the expectation gone because I'd sat through the film already. So I just went in there and tried to, to watch it completely neutral. You know, when I watched it the first time, I had this really high expectation. This time, I wanted to go in neutral. And when I rewatched it, I went, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was when I first saw it. And when I've rewatched it a few times after, every time it's, it's kind of improved a little bit. 
the thing is, I don't think, and I think a lot of people felt that way on first watch that it's not a good film. And some people will watch it again, other people will never watch it again. A film I don't think should be like that. You should be able to watch a film and enjoy it first time. It shouldn't need re-watching for you to understand bits differently or for you to lower your expectations. It should nail it right out the gate. So I do completely understand why it's, it's kind of divided people. And I'm not saying it's a perfect film. I would still put it above uh, at least Attack of the Clones and The Phantom Menace in uh, terms yeah. of my enjoyment of them. Um, That's kind of fair. Yeah. But, but yeah, they, they, but at the same time, I, I get why people have such a hard time with it. I really do. And my, my hard time is, is, is nothing to do with like, like it's very selfish. So I, I understand that the, Disney or the studio, whoever it is, I understand they've they've killed the characters that I grew up with, right? Because they have to, and I do understand that. But that to me means that Star Wars is now it's not the same thing. Do, do you understand? Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely, of course I do. Because the thing is, I was invested in those characters. Like I grew up and I. I love those characters. So um, for the reset button to be pushed and, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't watched a new trailer, Nick, at all. I've not watched it. Well, I mean, the thing is, a lot of people are, are kind of age or older, right, that are, are in this kind of position, right? So, you know, we're kind of more on the young scale of lifelong star wars fans because some of these people you know first you know saw star wars when they were in their teens or their 20s or even 30s so we're now talking those people are in their 50s 60s 70s um and and i and i and i get it i I totally get it i mean what i'm interested i've seen the trailer and i've seen the trailer multiple times the new one um and you know obviously not everyone's gone because there are still some of those original characters left. Yes, um, was that what, Chewie and uh, Lando? Is it Chewie, Leia, and Lando? Now, what's interesting with Leia is obviously um, Carrie Fisher died in between the last that I've been finished yeah. and and this new one being made. She's in it. Um, they they had footage that they hadn't used for either of the other films. Um, and she recorded all her dialogue for it. Um, so she's going to be in the film. It's going to be interesting to see how she's in the film and what they do with her, uh, of course. Um, but she's in it. Um, the, the title is raising more questions than it's giving answers to in it being called the rise of Skywalker. Um, and I've got my own kind of interpretation of what that actually is. I, I I'm not con- I'm not entirely convinced that we haven't seen the last of Luke. I've not seen any announcement to suggest that he's in it because uh, I don't know if he's been on set or anything like that. Um, I, I've not seen anything, but I'm not entirely convinced we've seen the last of him. I don't know, um, but yeah, certainly from from an original character standpoint, we've got Leia, we've got Chewie, we've got Lando. Uh, apparently, we've got Emperor Palpatine. I I don't know whether I'm going to watch it. Like, 
if I'm honest. I, I might do eventually, but I certainly won't go to the cinema to watch it. I think you need to. No. And the reason, the reason why I say that is because... Last year, though, I upset me, mate. So you I know, you I know, I know, I but look... I was trying to explain this to my wife. Um, and it, it's difficult to explain it to someone, um, especially someone who doesn't, you know, love Star Wars, um, who was of a certain age. Like, that, like, that to me was... <laughs> That was like, all right, mate, you need to go away now because we're going to do something else. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, and I, I get it. I do, I do understand. I'm not saying that you're wrong for it at all. I'm really not. Um, I mean, I, I felt similar. You know, I grew up liking comic books, liking uh, the X-Men cartoon, the Spider-Man cartoon, having the action figures, all that kind of stuff. And so when the Marvel films started coming out, I loved them. And I remember I didn't want to go and see the second Avengers film because it looks awful. And I heard it was awful. And eventually I caught it on telly and it was awful. And I was like, right, you know, that's it. I'm I'm out. I'm done with these superhero films. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. What, the... Um, the second uh, one. Second Avengers. Yeah. Uh, just didn't like it. But but the thing is, like, I felt like that. And then as soon as like the next Marvel film come out, I can't remember which one followed it, but I was like... It might have been Captain America or something. It's like, eh, you know what? I'll just give it a watch anyway. And it sucked me straight back in. But the reason why I think even it's even more, you need to, I think you do need to go and see it. Unless I tell you it's rubbish. Because uh, I will be seeing it opening day. Is that, like you said earlier, you've been on this journey. This journey isn't done. Like this, this film, this film coming out now, is like that journey. I know it feels I tell you what, I know you get, you'll go and see it opening day or whatever, but I'll go and watch it with you, and then we'll record it and talk about it afterwards. I'll go with you and watch perfect. it. Perfect, perfect, perfect. That will happen. Um, I'll make sure that happens. Go, we'll go to London. We'll go and get a bite to eat. We'll go and see it. And even if I hated it, I won't tell you. No, I go and enjoy it. Don't tell, yeah, don't tell me. I yeah. say I've not even I've not even watched the trailer. I've got. I'll have no expectations whatsoever on that film. Nice. Now, before we wrap what, up, I'll go I was on. Say, what, do you, what do you think of Rogue One? So it was really weird when I watched Rogue One, um, and it's a good job you mentioned that because I forgot. Um, when I when I first watched Rogue One, I thought, eh, it's all right. And then again, I watched it a second time, and I really enjoyed it. I didn't I didn't dislike it, but I just didn't feel. You know, bearing in mind that was the film in between, um, you know, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. So I had, you know, been on a real high with the, the with The Force Awakens, um, and and Rogue One I felt was a little bit flat. But I've rewatched it a few times now, and I really, really like it. Yeah, I liked it. I really enjoyed it. I think. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. I think if I was going to watch the films in like a machete order. I'd probably whack that in there. Mm. Yeah, because it tells a story leading up to episode four, really. What about, what about Solo? So I was expecting to really hate Solo, um, and I liked it. It felt like uh, again, it felt quite like a Star Wars film, even though... I, yeah, I really like Solo. I don't think he did a, a particularly good job 
of being no. solo, but I think no. the film as itself works really well. Who else can <clears throat> like? Who else can be Han Solo? You know, that's that's big big shoes to fill, isn't it? It is. Well, I, think... I thought it was a really good film. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, it really surprised me because, as I said, I really thought it was going to be naff. Um, and I booked to see it in 4DX. I don't know if you've seen anything in 4DX, but no, it's where um, you get uh, the, the seats all move and you get, you know, wind and smells. And... Isn't that weird? Isn't that a weird way to, like, I can't imagine enjoying that. Well, what was good about that is obviously when... Uh, when he gets punched in the beginning of the film, you get punched in the back. That wasn't very fun. Um, but when when he was flying about, the seats all move in time with the film. So it, I suppose really it's a bit like being in a simulator for two hours. Yeah, I've got a thing with like, like to me that qualifies as a ride. Yeah. And I can't, I can't go on any ride at all. Interesting. Because that's just what I was going to bring up as we was wrapping up, is the fact that um, obviously I go to Disney parks quite a lot. Um, since the since Disneyland Paris first opened, there's been a Star Wars attraction. They've now got two um, in America. They've just opened up the first Star Wars land. They're just about to open up the second, and there's going yeah. to be a third one coming to Paris. The uh, the two in America. I think next year, I think mm. me and my family as a whole are going to like Disneyland Paris as well. So I've heard this rumour because I was talking to them about it the other week. <laughs> I was giving them, <laughs> giving them some tips. Um, yeah. But the, the Star Wars lands are both opening up in America now. The second one is going to be opened up in about a week's time, I think, as we record this. And Paris will get one in a couple of years, but it's still got two attractions there at the moment. Um, what what do you, you know, would that be... The, the, the two lands that are opening up now are not based on the films. They're based on a whole new planet with a whole new story behind them. Um, in fact, they've, they've released a series of comic books of which I've got the first four issues of a five-issue miniseries. I'm waiting for the last issue to come out before I read them all. That apparently gives you... Um, backgrounds of the land and everything like that um and it's it's uh, like a smuggler's kind of uh planet that you inhabit um would that appeal to you bearing in mind how you feel at, at this current stage with the, the star wars situation well no because it's not it's not really star wars so you know it's it's you know so you know i think it's star wars and all the external stuff is like they call it like what part of a canon? Yeah, you know the Star Wars canon. Not at all, really. Like, like uh, no. If I go, if I want to, you know, if I go to a park and I want to see like Star Wars, I want to see the Millennium Falcon or I want to see whatever. Uh well, but, well, that's the thing because the only ride that's open in both of those lands at the moment is the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, well, I can't go on it because I've got a thing about going on rides i'm not scared of them but i don't want to die on one i think there's no final final place to die personally no it's a bit like uh, yeah i don't want to be the person that died in a ride <laughs> a bit like elvis like on the toilet or something less embarrassing if you die on a ride than a toilet 
to be fair. He is, but forever you're the person who died on a ride. So to give you a bit of background, so you won't you won't experience this next year anyway because it's not in Paris, but what the, the two parts have opened so far, they've, they've got two attractions, but um, the second one's been delayed because apparently the technology is so advanced for, for theme park attractions, they're still trying to tweak it. Um, but the Millennium Falcon ride, you you have one of three roles. You either pilot it, you're a gunner, or you're an engineer. And depending on how you perform depends on, on what happens with the ride. But mm. I suppose really it's kind of like a simulator from what I've seen. So you're sat in the cockpit, you're looking out the window, everything's going on around you. Um, and you've just got to press the button when you're told to, effectively. Um, but, you know, could, could you do that? I mean, you're going to be on the Millennium Falcon. I know you've got a thing about rides. Yeah, but, I know. know. I know. Well, I, well, actually, I guess um, I'm saying about, you know, The Last Jedi was the end of Star Wars. I guess dying on the Millennium Falcon is probably all right. So, yeah, I'll, I'll get on there. I'll get on there. I'll, I'll pilot. <laughs> the two rides in Paris are, are really good. The, 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 the newest one kind of the newest one uh is, is really good but it is a roller coaster so you ain't gonna go uh, you're not gonna get on that the second one is a simulator so you you might persuade yourself on that one but uh yeah the the last thing actually before i go did you get to do the void the void what's the void excellent so that means no the void was a vr experience that they did in london for about six months no was, definitely uh, not it was at the uh, the Westfield shopping centres. They had it in one and then they moved it to another. It's one of the most fun things I've ever done in my life. I really didn't think it was going to be anywhere near as good as it was. Um, it was based around Rogue One. So you was uh, on a mission with, uh, was it Captain Andor? Was that his name? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So he was giving you the mission briefing um, and then you had to go and... Um, try and uh, steal some some plans on, on a ship. And it was absolutely incredible. Like, because of how VR works, it felt like you were doing what you were seeing. And uh, there was one part when you, you went outside, the, the ship was on, on a planet and it was a, a lava planet and you had to like walk outside. And as soon as you walked outside the ship, you felt this heat. And then when wow. you back in, um, you could see the, the floor was bumpy and the floor felt bumpy. And I, I you know, I, I don't know how they did it because when you looked at it from the outside, it was literally just partitioned walls. That's all it was. Everything was in your, your headset. But it was absolutely incredible. And you, you know, you had to shoot at stormtroopers and, and stuff. And uh, yeah, it, it was one of the most expensive experiences of my life. It was like 30 quid for about a 20 minute experience but it was yeah. absolutely incredible i'd avoid that um i think there was a, a kind of avian experience as well in um trocadero i talked about that recently yeah yeah and i i, I like alien like i i love alien and my wife said like you know let's, let's go and do that and again i said no i don't want to die in Try with the hero. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, that alien thing that they they had there at the time was absolutely horrific. 
it's a bit really? like what I'm, yeah, it's a bit like what I'm going to be doing in, in Orlando in a few weeks' time. In that, um, you know, horror. With, well, with the, yeah, with the with the VR, it's all what you're watching. Like there was nothing, there was nothing there. It was just what you were seeing is what you believed was happening. With uh, the alien thing, it's a bit like the houses they have in Orlando. They had people in costumes chasing you and trying oh, to reach right. at you and stuff like that. So it was a completely different uh, experience. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. In fact, I don't know why I talked myself into going to Halloween Horror Nights because it's just horrific. But it'll make some yeah. good podcast well, content. <laughs> there you go. Like, yeah. you know. That's it. That's what it is. <laughs> but, um, was, there, was there anything else we haven't covered that you wanted to mention or? No, I think we talked about it all. Um, no, no, really enjoyable chat. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've been, you know, trying to find an angle and uh, this was as good as any, to be honest. I think, uh, you know, you're not really a theme park guy. I thought this was um, something we both really enjoyed and it would work out. But before we go, I mean, obviously mentioned at the top of the show that, you know, you got a podcast on the After Dark Podcast Network. So do you just want to do a little bit of a shill? All right. Um, I have got a podcast um, it's the Half and Half Scars podcast, which is football. So if you like football um, and you like four kind of idiots sort of arguing every week about football, you might like it. Oh, I think you will. And uh, eventually, when we get it back working properly, um, you are also a member now of Ego. We've not been able to get you on yeah. yet. You're going to be on there as soon as we can get you on. You've, you've, you've done some of the episodes where we've recorded our bits separately and spliced them together yeah um, yeah but i've not i've not been on live no no and your book one was exceptional i, did, I really enjoyed your your book one hearing you yeah. uh, talk about that was was uh really really nice that was good wasn't it listening yeah. to everyone talk about books enjoyed yeah. that yeah unfortunately one of mine was the argos catalogue from 1991 <laughs> but no beggars <laughs> beggars can't be choosers um, was a great, that was a great choice, mate. It was, right, a, it was a vintage year. For any of us that um, remember Argos catalogs, that was a great choice. I still, even now, I get excited when it's Argos catalog day, and I'll go straight down there and pick one up, and I'll bring. Well, they still home. got it now. Yeah, yeah, and well, so like they they're limited release now, so not all the stores have them. But Just go um, online, do it. That's it. Well, that's what, what happens is I bring home the catalog all excited. My wife's like, they've got a website. I'm like, yeah, but flicking for a yeah. book, I'm going to find the stuff no. that I wasn't looking for online. So, you know. No. Your wife's right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we need to save the trees, not destroy them. But uh, no, Colin, thank you ever so much for, for coming on. It's been an absolute treat. Um, and uh, thank you for, for downloading this episode. And we'll be back with another Diz After Dark very soon. So until next time, see you later. Ta-da. Why? Because we like you. Kick it! Can't get enough, can't get enough. He's the one, two, three. Mickey Mania. Never gonna share Mickey Mania. Yoba, yoba, yoba. Mickey Mania. He's really a nice mouse. He sure is. Now hold on, move it, live it up, prove it, give it a rock, a house with a mouse. This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.